Hello and welcome to a part of Cthulhu behind the bar once again with the two creators of Blister Critters. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Tony. I am, I guess, the creator of Blister Critters. Um, I'm a partially full-time uh, tabletop illustrator. Um, I've convinced enough people that I can make games to where I can, I can make a little bit of money doing it. Um, I started up Blister Critters as like a morning sketch. Uh, sometime last year, and then I pitched it to Wive um, of the Stillfleet Studio, and they were helping me uh, bring it to life. They've been super, super cool, and yeah, I'm happy to be here. Hey, uh, I'm Wythe, and yeah, it's great to work with you, Tony. Um, I am a writer and game designer of a company called the Stillfleet Studio, which I started a couple years ago with some friends and my wife. Uh, and we actually hired Tony to work on the flagship game Stillfleet, which is um, my sort of sci-fi RPG I've been working on for a long time. Uh, and we have a system that I've, I've been working on for a long time for Stillfleet called the Grit System. Um, your scores are dice. You burn a resource called Grit and kind of um, gamble with it. And, uh, you know, we really liked working with Tony and Tony thought um, he had a great idea for a game uh, and wanted to use our system. And so we're very, very lucky to uh, yeah, be able to sort of publish um, and help bring to life Blister Critters, which is just a, a really fun game. I really think it is it is a really uh, very playable and replayable um, experience of pretending to be, you know, a cartoon animal. Nice. Fair play. And of course, I've got Jay here, my co-host as usual. Hey, hello, everybody. So, let's kick it off with the very first icebreaker we ask everyone, and to the both of you. If you could say a pint of Cthulhu was any drink, what drink would you say it was? <laughs> um, Fernet Branca, which I really like, but uh, I've found many people don't like. Um, Never heard of that before. <laughs> I really like uh, really, really herbal uh, aperitifs, like digestifs, things that just taste like uh, plants. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of those words. I would say that it is a cup of mud, which is like ice cream and gummy worms and Oreos all crushed up. Hmm. That sounds better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> Jay, do you want to start us off with the first actual question? Sure thing, Matt. So, this is to both of you, I guess. What's your history of TTRPGs? You already said that you've made a few. What? Uh, sh sure. I mean, uh, you know, how, how long do you have? I mean, I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm 40. I've been like forever GM since I was 12 and I've been writing my own, uh, worlds the whole time. I have, I found, I went back to my childhood home cleaning up elderly parents and stuff. And, um, it's crazy to see like really bad, uh, lists of NPCs and stuff from when I was a kid. Um, but more recently, more interestingly, yeah, I mean, in the last decade, I've really moved away from um, D20 games. And although I love Powered by the Apocalypse and other kind of OSR games that, that really kind of blew my mind and, and helped me think differently about games, um, I made up my own system eventually. Uh, so the recent history is, yeah, I have this, this new system and um, have made a bunch of games with it that are fun. Mostly I like sci-fi a lot, so I've, I've run a lot of fantasy games with it as well. And we have some fantasy versions coming out, but mostly I've been running this big, epic, super future sort of political sci-fi game, which is actually very silly and zany at the same time. I mean, you're workers, you work for a giant evil space company. Um, you're sort of complicit. The company's kind of the bad guy, but also it's kind of all you know. You're still kind of heroic, you know, space mercenary types. Uh, so it's a nice blend of genres and people seem to think, you know, it's, it's fun to play, right? The narrative structure is fun. 
Um, but yeah, my history has been mostly as a writer, GM, and, and game designer, and that is how I met uh, Tony, who um, is an artist. We work with a few artists, but um, I really, really like Tony's art. It's very different, and it was really fun, even with a sci-fi game, talking about um, how to represent sort of bizarre concepts, and Tony's very fast and good at stuff like that. So, Tony, you should talk about Blister Critters more, but um, I, I could say lots of things about Blister Critters, but I definitely think, you know, Tony, you're the, you're the creator, so... Uh, yeah, uh, I have a much shorter history with uh, tabletop games. Uh, a couple years back, um, I fell into doing like a choose-your-own-adventure style uh, thing on Instagram, um, where people would like comment and we'd move like a, through like a fantasy world. Um, through that, I fell into doing more like tabletop commission work, um, and then I actually ran uh, my first Kickstarter for like a system-neutral like God Corpse Crawl. Uh, called Amu uh, last year and I realized I actually enjoy making the games that I've been doing all this artwork for. Um, so I am primarily uh, an illustrator. Um, secondarily, I make games so I have stuff to illustrate for. Uh, but I do genuinely uh, enjoy uh, the games crafting and um, it's been uh, really, really cool to have a, a project uh, grow much larger. Blister Critters was supposed to be a zine, um, like 50 pages max, and now we're uh, really trying to keep it to 100 pages. We have a, a full deluxe box with somewhat like 50 cards and this big poster, and it's it's ballooned into a really really cool and uh, fun project to work on um, that I'm excited to talk about today. Cool. I will say I backed at that level as well, just because the art style alone looks incredible. Speaking of the art, you both say how you have um, experience with artistic works. What kind of things have you been working on previous to this? And what led up to this? Um, I So the, the largest thing prior to this was uh, Amu and Eldritch Extermination. Um, you go through the, the corpse of a dead god and you bring him along with you to figure out kind of what's uh, infesting his, his body and his corpse. Um, prior to that, I kind of bounce around. I do, right now I'm working on a bunch of like Morkborgy type stuff. So that kind of fills that niche of wanting to do like heavy metal artwork. And then I get to work on Blister Critters, which is, uh, you know, cartoon like rabbits and, and frogs <laughs> bouncing around. Um, prior to that, it's all, it's all been the same vein, I guess, visually. Uh, far back in the past, I used to do a bunch of like band t-shirts and album artwork. Um, what? Yeah, I mean, I um, I mean, I'd be writing something similar somehow if I didn't play games. It's hard to imagine what that would be because I love TTRPGs. I find them just more fun than other kinds of games and other most most other like hobby type activities. Not to diss anyone else's. That's just like where my brain goes. But um, yeah, I mean, I love hip hop and I I do artistically. Um, I sketch like really vague alien plants for fun and stuff but i'm not i mean my art is basically writing so you know i write um fiction and it was sort of started there in terms of professional writing that you know that and just um science communication you know writing about um the future from a more technical kind of standpoint um you know i'm trained as an anthropologist and so a lot of my day job has been writing about first medicine and then food sort of the future of the life science technologies uh that businesses care about and um, while that may seem removed from RPGs, I mean, it gives me things to think about, about like our world and our lived experience, and, like material reality that really compel me 
um, to tell certain kinds of stories with my friends when it's like, okay, let's all get around and pretend to be space marines or whatever it is, right? Or anti-space marines. And so um, I think in a weird way, my to me, it all makes sense and it's all kind of one coherent project. It's just the game stuff is more fun, but in both both sides of the coin, um, you know, I'm writing about the future and telling stories about the future and the people who may inhabit it and what they're kind of politics and culture maybe like um, what foods they might eat all kinds of fun stuff um, and it's been a real pleasure to work with a bunch of talented artists um, of different kinds um, including like you know composers like Will Savino um, obviously visual artists like Tony my friend Ethan who's done most of the art for Still Fleet who's a good friend for years and we've done all kinds of we did a book about fake neuroscience uh, called Suspicious Anatomy that was about um, an organ scientist just discovered behind your brain called the cranium uh, or sorry cranius cranium's a board game uh and so that was very silly but you know you get the gist uh and yeah it's it's just it's super fun to kind of have um i think the collaborative element where it's not just me writing like fiction and then sending it off and crossing my fingers it's like someone has an idea whether it's me or tony or someone else and we have to like make a fun experience out of it whether it's a whole game or a module so i really love that i love kind of um you know being challenged or editing other people's work or kind of working on a project that's bigger than your own uh, your own ego, if that makes sense. Huh. Yeah. That tracks. Uh, this is just something I've noticed. I looked up Amu when you mentioned it. You've got a very distinctive art style, man, with the pink and the yellow. Is there a reason you've like been drawn to that? Um, it's really unique. It's cool to look at. I, I don't know if I was drawn to it specifically. I know that um, if you were to go through... Um, I only just recently uh, leveled up beyond just posting to Instagram. Uh, so if you scroll back through the Odd Gob Games uh, Instagram, you can see that at multiple points I was trying different like gradients um, and different like colorways. Um, so there was a time where it was like a lot of greens, and then there was a period where I think I was playing uh, Hades, like the roguelite, uh, at the time. So there's like stuff where it has like like neon like highlighter flourishes to it i think i just kind of fall into like stylistic modes uh for a while and um over the past i guess year or two now i've really hit a stride with this uh like colorway and it, it honestly it makes um the iterative aspect of game design that i enjoy um really quick because i i maybe do it wrong but i go art first and then i start doing all the writing um so if I can have uh, what is essentially just a gradient overlay that lets me just make everything look pretty for me. I don't have to do all the, the fancy artsy uh, color work. Um, and people seem to enjoy it. I think it's nice and bold. It prints well, uh, which also uh, matters. Um, so those like nice yellows and, and pinks and stuff tend to translate pretty well over into print. Um, moving forward, though, um, I am trying to force myself to kind of grow beyond uh, just the gradients. As much as I like them, and they, they definitely have their place, I'm trying to work in some more for, full color work to kind of push the bounds of all of that. Okay, so <clears throat> how did the idea then of Blister Critters come around then? What was the initial kind of almost conceptual birth of the idea? How did you both then get onto this? Because obviously you're two both different companies originally. So what's the story behind that then? Yeah, uh, me and I did. Me and Wyatt have done uh, work together for Stillfleet. So I was doing um, a handful of like aliens and some 
like space items and, and cool stuff like that. Um, so I was aware of the Stillfleet's uh, like grid system, and uh, there was a morning where I was like just in the middle of procrastinating and not really doing the work I was supposed to and just kind of sketching. Um, and I drew up like a mouse with like a Scrabble piece, like chest plate and holding like a needle, kind of kind of mouse ritter esque, um, but definitely in in like my style. Um, I threw it up on Instagram or Twitter, got a couple of thumbs up, and I was like, "Yep, now I'm gonna make a game." <laughs> um, in terms of like tying it into you know Saturday morning cartoons and um, some of the more like darker elements to it. Um, I'm already kind of, uh, I always lean into uh, what I call like a whim dark uh, style or tone where it's, you know, whimsical and light and kind of goofy, um, but I really enjoy, uh, which is where I go to, to Morkborg uh, content for is like the heavy metal Cthulhu and um, like gorier bits, which is a lot of what Amu uh, is and was. Um, so in having those illustrations and I, I cranked a couple of them out, I, I don't even remember if I brought came to Wyth with anything written. I think it might have just been artwork and, and an idea um, to kind of bring the project uh, to life in, in a larger way than I would have been able to um, just like with on, on my own without like a team of like writers and people to help me um, really make the game substantial, especially using the grid system. Um, which I, I, I really enjoy. I think uh, melds right right into how I wanted Blister Critters to to kind of function. And um, yeah, I pitched Wyth on it, and he loved it. And <laughs> uh, here we are trying to uh, etch it into history. So far, so good. Yeah, and I mean, just from from my standpoint, I mean, it fit so well because um, you know, I mean, the reason we the reason I guess that the Stillfeet Studio is a company and not just Wyth makes games and it's just a rebranding of my work, which is not like like Tony, you're like in a way Odd God Games is just you, right? It's it's sort of reflective of whatever you're doing is Odd God Games. Yep. Um, our company's a, a, a slightly different, um, just because it is it's it's me, and my friends Ethan, Stephen, and Aaron, and my wife, and the five of us are you know leftists in New York City. Who well, Aaron's in Ithaca, but the New York City area who love TTRPGs, and it's it's kind of a company about. Well, you know, how do games serve some sort of function to curate different kinds of conversations about the future and maybe what we should do or could do or how we could be, whatever. And it has to be fun first, of course. Um, but is there some more thoughtful way to design games than just, you know, what I grew up with, which is you go bash goblins, you get XP, you get their gold, you know, everything you see, you slay it immediately, you take all their shit, you level up and that's games um and you know obviously like if, if you believe something very different from that as a person then playing games like that is just quite odd so um you know still for example was my attempt over years with friends who wanted to play sci-fi games together to make a better game where okay we'll do a sci-fi game and you'll still have cool powers and we'll still roll dice and all that stuff but like the thing you're doing is if not overthrowing you know space capitalism it's at least like carving out a niche for yourself or pushing back against you know horrible forms of exploitation or you know trying to have some sort of change happen over time and the whole game is about discovering like well what could that be while also occasionally you know bashing space cthulhu kind of monsters right um who are just some somehow pure evil because hey that's fun sometimes right um but the main thrust of the game is okay maybe there's something more interesting 
about culture that we can explore through pretending to be space marines, whatever. So Blister Critters is totally different, even though it uses the same system, but it's similar to me in that it brings this essential question of like, all right, humans, we're all gonna die because we've poisoned the earth, but animals are still gonna be around, plants and all sorts of things. They're gonna be different. So the whole mutant cartoon aspect to me, and Tony might feel very differently about his own game, but I read it as, it's more metaphorical. It's like, yeah, they're mutants, but in some ways it's just, yeah, stuff has changed. We don't know how it's gonna look in a hundred years, a thousand years, but life will still probably be around. Life's pretty tena tenacious. So, uh, you know, what are fun stories in the shadow of humanity? How do you explore the ruins um, of all this human architecture, all this crap, every like plastic object around me, my phone, this water cup, whatever. Um, and what would you do if you were suddenly sapient and before, you know, a few generations before you'd been just normal squirrels or crabs or whatever. So it's a wild concept. I don't think it's like realistic SF in that sense, but it still fits in that same to me, thought space of, well, let's let's make a game that's both super, super fun, and you could kind of play in a purely escapist mode, but you can also use to have these conversations. And I've seen people, people at the table at conventions whom I never met before, sit down and play Blister Critters and say, okay, I want to be the chicken. So I'm going to be a chicken who's the boss who shoots eggs out of my but basically and uh it's a cartoon but also then they have real profound moments of like oh crap we're in a supermarket and all the humans are dead and there's like rotting food it's like there's the zombie apocalypse question of reckoning with um the afterlife of all the things humans have done to earth um and you know there's a lot of fun kind of animal farm stuff about just different kinds of animals like duking it out you know forming their own hierarchies or trying to live differently again it gives you a chance to explore different kinds of social formations because you don't have to redo humanity maybe some animals want to do that. So I think it's a great game and it really fits within our conception of like why we wanted to make games in the first place professionally and not just Wythe Vanity publishes a book, you know, releases some PDFs on itch. Um, and, you know, it's been a pleasure to work with Tony and, and have this really collaborative process of like taking his idea, making it what he wanted, but also, yeah, seeing it mutate as other people get involved and we, we play test it a lot. Ooh. And sorry Sounds. if any of that's too long. Just cut me off. I'll just no, keep no, talking. Absolutely fine. No, there's a bit of back and forth we always do between uh, yeah, channels just, just like... to sort out questions. Because at times, you guys answer about three or four in one go, and it's like, crap. Tick, nice. tick, 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 tick. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that seems like a really interesting way to look at games. And the concept is something I really do like. I'm a big fan of, um, I haven't read it in a while, I'm not up to date on it, but there's a webcomic called Scurry that plays with some of the same idea. It's uh, mice that have suddenly become sentient in a post-nuclear war uh, outskirts of a city where there's no humans left. So I really do like that kind of thing. I'm interested to get to playing Blister Critters and see how it runs. Um, is there any, hinted at it as, as well, but is there any like lore bits that you want to share about Blister Critters? Like, do the animals potentially find out what happened to humanity, or is it left an open mystery? Uh, no, so super intentionally, uh, it's just called the Poof, capital P, Poof. <laughs> uh, the humans are gone. Um, depending on like the kind of game or the table that you're with, uh, you might care more or less, and maybe there's an answer if that's what like the producer, the GM, uh, wants there to be. But in the book outright, nope, humans are gone. You're a cockroach. You got you got cockroach problems. There's not um, like uh, like a step by step kind of like lore or clue guide to figuring out uh, where or why the humans are gone. I think it's it's alluded to that it's some form of like ecological disaster. So it's the post eco apocalypse. Um, so something that the humans had a hand in screwing up uh, climate wise 
um, almost certainly had a hand in it, but I like to, in my own head canon, uh, that's not canon or written in the books, I like to think that it's more uh, eldritch or uh, spooky rapture-esque, um, just because I think that's, like, fun. Um, but no, in the book outright, there, the, there is no uh, sanctioned lore uh, so far as that goes. So a lot of what's been fun for Blister Critters um, and something that me and Wyatt talked about kind of early on is not necessarily setting up um, like uh, a setting outright. So much of the game is set in uh, our world. Um, so it is just, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm from Tallahassee. So it's just Tallahassee, but all the humans are gone. Um, and that is kind of the setting and the lore is what you make of it uh, through play. So while there are a number of points throughout the book where we help guide along kind of building that stuff, the um, shtick of the game isn't necessarily, um, uh, it is very setting centric without being, uh, having a bunch of like bullet points that kind of tell you what the setting is. You know what the setting is. You've, you, you've been to supermarkets, you've been uh, to theme parks, or you've been, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that's kind of the, most of the setup that we do, we let you lean into uh, how cartoony or how um, post-apocalyptic uh, you want to be with it uh, thereafter, which I, I think is uh, part of the, the fun and beauty that we've kind of really finally walked uh, for Blister Critters with offering just enough to get people like invested and to really homebrew their own stuff, which is a lot of the fun. Um, but also, you know, letting you know it's just your world. It's just, you know, the, your your backyard. It's just your office building. Yeah, and, and I'll just add, there's also a fun lore thing that's discovered through plays, just as Tony's saying, with setting it in very specific locations. So I've, instead of like very cartoony, when I run the games, they tend to be set in actually kind of like post-apocalyptic Atlanta. Like it's basically the same setting as The Walking Dead, but it's obviously very different. So there's no zombies, but hey, you, you know, civilization's crumbled, sapient animals. And one of the fun things is seeing what players do with that. Like how would group of animals in you know insert your imagined animal polity that emerges that you care about um take over a specific location that is a real location you've all been to and often we'll change the name a little make fun of it um and you know that was like at a convention um i was running a game and didn't tell the players what it was but they were breaking into the world of coca-cola which is a museum coca-cola made in downtown atlanta to itself it's like a museum by a giant company they bring school kids to regularly on school trips and you like drink like sugar water um, it's crazy that it's real, but in my version of Blister Critters, it was sealed off. It was like a location where it hadn't been ruined because the doors, everything had been like hermetically sealed. So inside were mice from before the poof who didn't like, they were just mice who'd just been living there and all the other critters couldn't get in. And so you finally break in and it's this treasure trove of basically sugar. Um, but it was fun because the players didn't know anything about the world of Coca-Cola. So it, to them, it might as well have been like, I was making up a D and D like dungeon. Because I was just saying crap, and they were like, "That can't be real." And then they look it up, and it's like, "No, he's like on the website, just going through <laughs> exhibitions at this stupid <laughs> museum." To you know, they literally have like a polar bear, because you know the polar bear is like the symbol of Coca Cola, which is really sad. It's like we've destroyed a lot of land and done a lot of bad things, but hey, look at this endangered species. But uh, so you know, at the end, they're like before the they think it's like a giant beast, but it's a stuffed, it's a fake stuffed, you know, twelve foot tall polar bear. Um, so anyway, I think some of the, that idea of lore is is to, just what Tony said. It's like we've all you've all played uh, games set in modern places. That is the setting, and because it's a cartoon, you can make it really weird. But I also think because it's after an apocalypse of some kind, you can lean into that and and have this kind of haunted feeling. And it's it's really fun 
to have a game that's so quick to run that, that lets you kind of do both those things. Hmm. play. Well, we opened this up to a couple of people beforehand, and we did get a couple of questions in. One of them was, um, if you took any inspiration from cartoons, which ones were they, with the art style looking so similar? Uh, yeah, so I always cite, uh, I don't think it looks like this, but I always cite Spongebob as a, uh, a formative um, cartoon in terms of just like the kind of weirdness that I like to bring to uh, like running the game. Um, Courage the Cowardly Dog is like specifically the kind of weird that I, I enjoy uh, like messing with. Not even just in Blister Critters, but just in general, I think that's a really fun uh, genre and like feeling to try and evoke uh, in a game or like in a piece of artwork. Um, Ed Ed Nettie is uh, similarly just like off the wall and just like anything kind of goes so long as it's, so long as it's funny and uh, not to, to pivot too hard, but that's like that's one of the distinctions um, in the book between like zany and gnarly running the game um, more like uh, Ed Ed Nettie or if you wanted to play more gnarly, um, where I think wise tendencies are like more like Watership Down, where it's a little bit more serious and kind of screwed up and dark, but it both work. Um, so on my end, a lot of my influences are like early aughts, late 90s, like Ren and Stimpy, um, like off the wall uh, cartoons. I can keep naming them, but I think the <laughs> ones that I, I threw out there were uh, the ones that I kind of keep coming back to is like, what are the ones I am actually pulling from? I just have to add Ren and Stimpy, which I grew up with, and it was like my favorite, like funny card. Like my favorite show was Aeon Flux, which was also animated, but was not funny. Um, but I think Ren and Stimpy in vibe is somewhat similar in a weird way. It's like kind of darker, but it's sort of similar to SpongeBob in that it's very surreal. Um, and I think this game has a lot of that kind of uh, influence in it. Yeah, I really like is specifically pulling on the surreal. I think is something that I really enjoyed. Um, teasing out of blister critters of like pushing to the edges how how far in can we go with like a, a, somewhere in the book i think it's literally written like if you want to swallow a fridge like <laughs> you're playing a really zany game but if you want to be a raccoon swallowing a fridge i i mean i encourage you to do so it's going to cost some grit it's not going to be easy but you can definitely do it um and i think that's fun i think um yeah it's just that i think it's fun period and so it should be in the game I've just now got a weird image of a, like a fridge-shaped raccoon. That yeah, just doesn't look very comfortable. <laughs> Tiny little legs waddling around. Well, we've <laughs> used it as an interpretive mechanism too. Like like rolling for something where what's going to happen isn't you swallow a fridge. It's can you throw... So this was um, a recent play test we did a live stream um, with our friend Jen and Chris where we were like playing skee-ball competitively against a giant alligator with a scorpion tail to see if his band of mice would let us use some of the power from their arcade for Arboro, which was low on power, electricity. And um, so it was rolling, it was a competitive sports scenario. We weren't fighting, but it was like dire, you know, of importance. Um, but like the rolls were like about throwing a skee-ball, but the interpretation got really zany. So, you know, there's a part when like somebody slips on a burrito and it goes down the neck of a weasel and they're just like, they, you know, the, the, the mouth unhinges and they're just exactly burrito shaped, <laughs> sort of what you're saying. Um, and it doesn't break like the gameplay if you're used to like Merkborg-esque, like, do I kill the skeleton or not? Like, it's the same thing. Like you either threw the skee-ball or you didn't, but you can interpret it in this and everyone can, everyone joins in pretty naturally. Cause again, we've all kind of seen cartoons. So I think it's fun 
the way that Tony's teased that out in the in the rules and obviously the art you know helps a lot there too so I'm just getting the vibe here that this is very much not about trying to murder your way through everything there are it's more on the option of just role play your way through it in other means that you don't really see that in many books these days at all I mean there are a few but not many so that must have been quite a tricky one to come up with um, I don't know. I don't know if it was even intentional. I think it's the way that the game, um, I think it's the way that the game flows. So I, I guess I would say it's intentional and in that as we got further along, I definitely realized in running it more and more that I would go entire sessions. We didn't fight anything. And there's a really robust, like, like clean and quick uh, combat system in the grit system, um, that works really well with blister critters and, um, we can get into how blisters work, but there are a lot of sessions that i've run where 95 percent of it if not 100 percent of the session we are just goofing around swallowing fridges throwing ski balls like gaslighting frogs that we impaled with a crochet needle um like it is it you can just like word salad your way through an episode and it is all of but it, and it's not just like you're sitting down to role play there are still rules involved there's still roles there's still dice included um so I really enjoyed uh, as a GM having uh, having that ability to have so much of the actual mechanics of the game be tied to again how well can I swallow the fridge how how far can my limb stretch across the room to grab this thing that I definitely can't grab um, and mechanicalizing that has been fun as a as a tabletop creator um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just add like one something that Tony brought. So the grid system has like combat, and there's uh, there's other kinds of rolls. I mean, you have five dice; only one of them is combat. The other four, you know, are uh, reason, will, uh, charm, and movement, which is everything else bodily. But Tony specifically wanted to do rolls for stuff, capital S, which would be anything kind of human-made, anything useful to a critter that they just would all sort of naturally conceive of as stuff. They wouldn't really typologize it the way humans would. It's just you know, if you're a foot tall, you're like, can I hold this thing? Would it help me as a weapon or? Is armor or something can i eat it um you know that how animals kind of assess stuff um and that was interesting because we ended up creating rules around it so it's not just like okay stuff has stuff points meaning how big it, it is how much you know inventory does it take so it's a little like a mouse reader. you can only hold a couple objects because you're tiny um but also it can have a bonk rating meaning it can add to damage or not if it's like a q-tip not that helpful but a pen okay yeah pen you could help whack somebody it can have damage reduction so this is similar to like still fleet or something where you could have you know a space rifle um but what's interesting is then we could have powers where, like, you could get, you know, more stuff points or, like, find stuff more easily or find certain kinds of stuff. Or maybe you could eat food that other critters could need. And so it opened up a new avenue for the world of the game driving the things you do, not in terms of combat, but in terms of, like, just picking up and putting down human-made crap. Um, and so I think, uh, Tony, to your point, I mean, you can kind of play the game without ever fighting anything by just discovering and trying to assess almost like you know you play minecraft it's like it's not really a fighting game but i mean you are getting chased by zombies half the time but it's not it's not about that right it's about picking up and putting down crap in your you know in your castle or whatever so i think blister critters has a fun sort of um object focus which again is is great from like a deep like why is it about objects well like humans make a lot of weird objects and it really gets you to think of differently about i remember tony's pitch it was i think you said imagine running a game where you're only using objects on your own desk like look at your desk mm -hmm. full of like you know pens and sketchbooks and stuff and it's like what if those were being used as like implements in a 
in an RPG. And what if the book was to scale? So there's a lot of things drawn in the book at basically one-to-one -one scale. And I, I thought that was so brilliant. I mean, it was such an obvious idea, um, which, you know, again, okay, Mouse Reader kind of does that, but we wanted to really foreground that it's like 90s to today, like it's modern. Um, so it's not all, you know, medieval tropes, right? Sounds good. You mentioned that there's different abilities and such that the creatures that you and your friends will be playing as can have. How do those work? Yeah, so that kind of taps into the other side of Blister Critters um, that isn't uh, just cartoony, zany fun. Uh, the other half that is kind of leaning more into the ecological, uh, mutaty dark part, um, where uh, post the poof, um, all of the uh, animals and living things started to, like mutating and developing blisters, blister critters. Um, and uh, these blisters are a way uh, in the book specifically called blisters that uh, you as a player and the other beasts and uh, baddies of the world uh, pick up and develop um, different mutations, laser eyes. Um, you, some, you can sometimes develop a secondary uh, animal trait, um, just like telekinesis and all kinds of like funky weird stuff that further down into uh, advancement you go. Um, but yeah, blisters are the main way that you kind of mutate through the world and uh, level up on this big like skill tree, the big blister tree uh, that, that we put together as well. Hmm. So at what point did you start playtesting this and how did that then come involved with the uh, blisters? I the blisters i think the blisters probably took a, a play test or two but they were pretty early on um because it was in it was in the base artwork um so the initial sketch that i had was a, a blistered mutated um like mouse so from the jump we or at least i was like yeah these things are going to mutate and it's going to be kind of funky and it's going to have to walk this tightrope of being cute and zany um and fun but also um having I guess you would call it somewhat like body horror-esque or at the very least it's creepy. Um, so the blisters were pretty early on. Shifting them into being the actual powers um, probably came about when I was taking um, rules from Stillfleet and figuring out how I wanted to um, adjust them and, and tweak them um, into... So like in Stillfleet, they're all like powers um, and in and blister critters they're still like called powers but they're they're blisters in terms of you gaining a blister you gain a level um in that sense yeah and we we did start play test oh i'm sorry go ahead no go on i was just seeing you i mean we just we just started play, play testing uh, last fall so tony was working on the game late summer right on yep um so by the fall you know one one goal is we said was okay can we get a quick start so we could like try it out with other people so i think tony you have your group of friends um so you're you know you're playing with your friends basically in florida and then we have a group up here and we started um we brought it to a couple conventions so we went to um, pax unplugged in philly um which is pretty big and we played it um sort of continuously for three days straight and people really loved it and they really got it and that was for, we, we printed it the night before so it's like my wife and i rushing to this like local print shop and getting these nice um just normal paper but you know color 20 page you know booklets with with tony's art and with the base rules and um basically handing those out at a con and it, and it went really well people got it um and that was obviously a good sign but also it helped us because people ask clarifying questions and we could kind of discuss okay is there is there anything that needs tweaking we made some changes but i mean honestly the core ideas are all there and it was more figuring out the exact you know okay what are all the powers you know because the quick start also we'd pick stuff we felt was further along and, and better for, for to play 
Um, now I think with the, we're actually editing, you know, finishing editing the book, and it's and it's really nice. It's in a good place. So it's um, we've we've played it a lot since then. But I, I'd say you know it's it's really been a fast process. Really, it's like the fall to now, um, from idea to like a thing. Yeah, we definitely fast tracked. Um, most of the project has been uh, on a on a speedier track than I think a lot of projects um, of this size. It's not the the largest game in the world, but I think with all the components in the box and um, the amount of like how dense the book is, um, it's not like overly crunchy, but I think there's just a lot of a lot of good like material and content and yeah. um, replayability that you can get out of um, the hundred or so pages we're going to be able to squeeze in there. That, yeah, there's uh, there's I'm, 66 I'm animals. There's tons of animals, and our fr we had a friend 66. in New Zealand. There's 66 animals, and there's a friend in New Zealand, friend in Australia, who were like, "You missed all the animals." Like you didn't do it the our animals, you know, so they're writing like a whole nother book that's like the the down under version. So um yeah. that just tells us that it has it has legs, right? People people come up with their own ideas constantly, which which is great. That was the goal, is make up your own animals, yeah. make up your own stuff, you know. Which is actually a huge portion of, of the game, um, is people making up their own stuff. Um, not from a sense of like I don't want to write it. I could, but in terms of like you should write like for what your small town uh looks like in, in blister critters and you can play you can go to your gas station down the road you can go to your specific walmart or whatever like weird uh like piggly wiggly or whatever silly uh thing yours is called you can go there and play a game in there and you can use you can look up online and grab the map layout um and run your critters through and uh there's just like a, there's a in the book it's like explicitly written for people to kind of like dive in deep on um like a homebrewed player player fo like focused uh content creation um that we enjoy doing and we have a number of different zines and like side products that um we're already yeah. putting together that are specific like this is what this arcade looks like this is what this little bar looks like um but i think a lot of the fun especially running it myself is picking up uh, locations that are either local or you know the traveling <laughs> essentially in blister critters to, to play elsewhere is also a lot of fun so just quickly um how much then content wise of a campaign as it were is going to be in the finished products you say you've done a few bits and pieces but you've also said that a lot of it is also up to individual which is quite great because it means obviously people get to create their own adventures and stuff but how much is they, how much is there going to be in the book? Uh, in the book outright, there is a pilot episode. So leaning into the uh, literal TV show uh, nature is a lot of terms in the game that are based around that. Uh, the there is a pilot episode at the back of the book, which is like a session or two, um, and then Blister Critters itself is uh, divided up into seasons. So like where you would play a campaign um blister critters you play out a season and at the start of it you kind of decide um how many episodes you're going to want to play um so if you want to play a long season you'd play like 10 episodes every episode you level up um and then so by the end of it you're level 10 that's kind of the cap you either retire your character they become a beast or um there's like legacy rules as well to pass on traits and information uh to be super direct with your question in the book itself there is a pilot episode that'll get you through a good episode or two, um, three if you if your players take a long time like mine do <laughs> to get through, uh, to get out of the bathroom. Uh, it'll it'll take you a little while, um, 
but in the book itself there's like an episode or two's worth um and then we're also actually running a uh, a game jam right now um the critter city crawl on itch for people to um build up a really small uh location i just saw one today that was like a really cool bar that had uh, like ingredients and stuff for like mixing specific drinks for powers and stuff um so if anybody is listening is interested while the campaign is still running um, there's a game jam running for you to kind of devise some cool plot hooks and encounters and, and stuff for um, your own episodes, your own sessions on itch. Yeah. And we're going to take, um, so Tony and I are judging that it is just judged by like, you know, what is cool. Uh, but we'll take five. We might do more than that. I mean, honestly, if they're good and we'll put them in a PDF. And so we'll release that as like, um, this is modeling just to shout out, you know, uh, tomb of a thousand doors, um, which uh, Matt, you know, Manadon and some the Mouse Trader community had put together where they had a lot of Mouse Trader content coming together and made a big cool PDF. And then eventually they just did a successful major, you know, Kickstarter to print it as a nice book. Um, so for this, you know, we're not looking at print right now. We're just saying, okay, you know, we'll do the Critter City Crawl, find some locations that other people have put together and we'll release it as a PDF. Here's all these cool locations with plot hooks. Um, and, you know, then you have those plus the starter episode. Um, and those are free, right? So uh, we're hoping that that's at least enough to give people the sense of the kinds of stories they can tell. Plus, we're hoping through like actual play, right, that there's going to be some examples um, where they're seeing, oh, okay, I, I get it, you know, um, if they're interested. Um, and then in the future, we're hoping we can do more uh, stuff by Tony um, in, in, in addition to others. I mean, like say we do have this Australia, New Zealand supplement possibly coming out in the near future, uh, which would be really, I don't think Tony or I know what it's going to be but uh it'll be fun it'll no, have it locations really there cool, it'll, it's going to be great yeah it's going to be yeah fun. so it sounds like there's a lot of really neat stuff in the game is there anything that you guys had to cut for hmm. either practical reasons or time or whatever or just not thinking it would fit that you really like and would like to rework at some point um i know feel that, bad about cutting i know the one thing that was a, a much larger portion of the blister critters idea and concept early on um was like the sun and the moon and like a day night cycle that i was i was really passionate about and uh was really tied to but i think the longer that we went on with the project um the the less it made sense for as integral as it was it's still there um but much more stripped back um to make way for how full the game is otherwise or something I, I, I talk about uh, all the time is how full the game feels it feels so well-rounded and like all of the bits are there so when we were trying with all of the other stuff written to get this like day-night cycle that was that added um, like a lot of extra like rules and stuff on top it felt like it was a bit too much um, I still really enjoy the artwork which is why I think I'm as tied to it um, as I as I am and was, um, all the artwork is still there. It's been stripped back to to a degree that feels right for the state of Blister Cruisers as is. But if I had to pick a thing that I um, that I wish found uh, a better home or might find a better home in a different a different idea, a different concept, it would be um, the kind of weird eldritch uh, day night cycle that I had crafted um, at the kind of uh, birth of Blister Cruisers. Yeah, and that's and that's still in there as a essentially it's an optional rule which 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 streamlined is is just you know it it buffs um, hostiles it buffs bad guys um, at certain times of the day because um, whether it's an eldritch interpretation they're getting kind of radiation charge like Dragon Ball Z villain style or whether it's like 
the likelihood you encounter a big badass beast is just greater because of, you know, biology at certain times of the day. Um, there's kind of more danger at different times of the day than others. And that feels um, like it works with Eldritch. It feels like it works with kind of like how would animals really be? And it's pretty light where you can either forget about it, ignore it, or you can say, okay, this session, you know, you guys got to make some choices because if you choose to move now versus later, you know, that, you know, basically if you wait around here, there might be an encounter, but if you move now, um, an encounter might be worse for you. So it adds kind of a little bit of strategic thinking, kind of like a hex crawl um, rule. Um, in terms of some other stuff, I mean, I think Tony, um, you, have, you have so many good ideas, so I'm, I'm glad, I mean, most of it worked out really well, as you say, to make a rounded game, like the legacy rules, I think are awesome and really add a lot, um, which was neat and not something I thought of when you said, you know, cart mutant cartoon animals is like, well, they're never coming back. Right. But <laughs> the legacy rules are really fun. The idea of being a burrow, like a group of critters is fun. Um, but yeah, I think there's just so many, I think in like coming up with the animals, right. We, there's so many that we just had to stop at some point because yeah. there's just too many cool animals IRL. So obviously you could do a lot with that in the sort of cartoon game environment. So I think that's why we realized, aha, that's we want to turn that out onto the audience and hopefully get people playing the game. And then they'll make their own, you know, settings, animals, whatever, because there would be, it would be stupid to try to do this exhaustive, like here's all 4,000 character classes, you know, like nobody wants, nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah. Because each each animal adds like uh, however many different variations for any given critter. So every animal, every critter that you can play as, um, gives you usually two unique powers. Most animals in the game come with their own unique set of powers. Um, so there's over like a hundred unique powers solely in what kind of animal you're playing. That's before you develop blisters. That's before you decide uh, your role uh, in your party in your pack. Um, and so that was one of the things I, I, I agree. That was one of the things where I, we could have gone on forever where it's like, yeah, it's a hundred, 150 animals. Um, <laughs> you can just go on forever. Same thing with uh, the amount of stuff that's in the actual book. So like in the yeah. book, we were talking about stuff earlier. There's a catalog in the, like the stuff chapter essentially, um, that catalogs like 200 different unique kinds of things. So you can just be in the bathroom and you can come up with 50, um, if you dig around long enough. Um, so at a certain point, like we just, we can't have 300 pages full of stuff and, uh, a large portion of the game is encouraging people to make up their own stuff and to, you know, look around and, and use that thing as a mace or use that thing yeah. as a piece of armor. Um, to, to piggyback off what I was initially saying, I, I think that if we could, uh, dive deeper into burrow rules, um, that might be fun for a future supplement to, to offer some more, um, like home base building um, which is like encouraged, I think, narratively, but currently um, isn't entirely mechanicalized, which is how I would run it. Um, but I think it would be fun to flesh those out um, in a way where you can, over time, maybe even over multiple seasons and multiple multiple critters, um, really have a burrow kind of flourish and go through seasons of, you know, hardship and success. Yeah, the the dwarf fortress slash quiet year version of blister critters <laughs> um yeah i mean even just to name two ideas um just quickly that, that tony you wanted to do and we may do in the near future but we're not doing now with the kickstarter just because oh my god it's so hard to get one book done well um but is is the rules for um playing as stuff as blistered stuff so stuff that comes to life um so you know you can imagine like toy story but like gross um and uh, also the idea of playing is as motile um, like somehow they can move around uh, plants and mushrooms 
So I think those are two categories of rules that Tony started working on. And at the end of the day, so to, to really answer your question, we didn't put in the book, even though they're cool. We just, hey, we wanted to keep it 100 pages, keep it really approachable, pretty simple. You're an animal, walk around, do stuff. Um, plenty of other things that we'll, we'll get to. I don't know. So I'm aware of, uh, aware of the time here. Um, but something copped up while I was uh, while you were talking. This, how do, you, how do you think this would work then compared to an actual tabletop to a virtual tabletop? How do you think they would suit either category then? Uh, we've run a number of games digitally and they, they go great. Um, I think something that Blister Cutters really has going for it is how like approachable and quickly understood it is. Um, I think like in concept it in concept it might be um, a little tricky to explain like in five words, but like when you sit down at the table and within a minute of playing, it's like it just kind of clicks for everybody, strangers and um, friends alike. It doesn't take a whole lot of explaining afterwards. So especially. Uh, when you kind of have that like digital wall in front of you, having something that doesn't take a whole lot of explanation and that everyone can kind of get on board with. Oh, I've watched SpongeBob. Oh, I've watched Ren and Stimpy. Um, I get to do that thing. Um, it, it translates really well. There's yeah. actually stuff in the rules that encourage people to do um, like digital map making. And something that I like doing with my table in person and online is to do like live, I'm an illustrator. Uh, like live illustrations of the kind of wacky stuff that's going on or i'll hand them the pen and let them draw the layout of like the abandoned uh, toy store uh that we're in um and there's plenty of websites and um, i know the different uh, vtt's offer some sort of like collaborative drawing or moving around of tokens um so all of that is kind of really nicely built into uh the more i think collaborative side that blister critters brings out in a tabletop game where it's not just guy at the table with a screen three people kind of asking questions it's it for me it's it's always really really collaborative and um written into the rules is intended to be something that is like a fun project essentially you get to make a cartoon episode uh with your friends that happens to have rules uh on top of it yeah we all know more about our own modern edifices than we do about medieval thatch roof farm huts or whatever you know so i think it translates better than the classic dragon game if you really think about you know if you if you had to draw a room at a, a, a pharmacy or a, a daycare you know you could probably do it better than you could actually imagine what like a baronial monce looked like uh so you know i, th I think it's the same as any any rpg you, you can do them on on theater of the mind you could do them gridded out with maps um and yeah we have some tony had some great ideas for sort of um encouraging people to work together to imagine what the critters kind of experience at that that scale is like without necessarily having to go full vtt but but obviously you could so okay so what for each of you what was the best thing and the worst thing about making the game the high and the low spicy let's see we're, we're still kind of in the we're in the thick of finishing up some of the writing I don't want to do like the the job interview thing of like what's my worst quality? I work too hard. <laughs> uh, but I I do I do think that something that I really had to uh, overcome is a strong word, but like grapple with is this is like the largest project that I've worked on. Not even just in terms of the amount of artwork needed, which there is still a lot of, and I'm working uh, every day to kind of uh, knock away at. 
um, but it's just a lot of a lot more writing than I a anticipated uh, when I set out to make it prior to kind of bringing it to life. Um, but just um, the kind of just the scope um, sounds silly to say that's the worst part of it because um, I'm really happy with the size of it. I think it's really really well put together. I think it's sturdy. But at the outset, I was definitely kind of overwhelmed, and at times still am, um, with kind of how big it grew. For the better, but it's, it's much larger than... It's the biggest project I've worked on to date, so there's a certain amount of stress that comes with that. Um, the best bits um, have been, I think, some of the live stream actual plays, and like getting to run it for strangers and have it go well. <laughs> to have, you know, to, to have strangers uh, be invested in, to have a really nice time um seeing extra content creation from people that i don't know uh like the people the the group that's making the australian like aussie version of blister critters and seeing some of the entries for the the game jam um again a big uh intention for blister critters is for it to be like player forward so like for people to make their own stuff not because we can't and we like doing it uh but as a, as a GM and as a, as a person that enjoys other games, I really, really relish and homebrewing my own stuff. So having that be a part of Blister Critters and people actually engaging in that um, is really fulfilling as a creator. Yeah, I'll just, I'll try to be really quick, but I mean, for, for me, the hard, the hard part, the downside is just like, oh man, that the, they're running a small business in a world where that's not, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be one of five giant companies that owns everything. And it's, you know, so it, it's really hard to, it's like, I want it, to even, it's weird. Cause even more than with Stillfleet, it's like, I want to do Tony's book justice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's not about me as much as like, oh damn, now I feel like I want, you know, my friend to succeed. So, um, I think we've worked really hard on it and I think we've learned a lot, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, printing, Printing's expensive. How do you reach people? Everyone's making games now, which is great and fun. Um, but how do you have then the ability to have a sustained development cycle for products that are really high quality, that are really, really fun, that are well play tested. They're like copy edited. There's not typos. Um, you know, the printing's good. The colors are saturated. You know, all the stuff that I think is like art book nerds, we really want. Um, so that's, that's just tough to like constantly go back to like, okay, what can, what do we really want to, at the end of the day, um, do make these little decisions around uh what's in the box right it's a box set so it's the book there's a map there's cards there's all this stuff and tony had a lot of great ideas and we could have done millions of objects but then it, it, again it's like okay then the, the thing's a hundred dollars and no one buys it so that stuff's tricky um the fun part yeah is definitely to i, I agree with tony it's it's seeing not just when we have fun because i feel like hey i always love jamming it's i could jam any game it'd probably be fun for me i enjoy it but um seeing other people uh, run it and get into the characters and just come up with all kinds of wacky ideas, um, including, yeah, people who've never played before. I played with with some friends who'd never played RPGs and they, they loved it. I mean, they, they got it right away. Um, and so that was definitely for me a moment of like, all right, this 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 works, you know. Fair play. Well, I suppose we should wrap this up. Um, where can people find you at the current moment? What's your handles, your tags, whatever you want to call them? Where are you guys? Yeah, I am on both Twitter and Instagram at oddgobgames. Um, I am... I guess that's really the only place that I'm at. Uh, I post there constantly about uh, blister critters currently, but I also do um, a bunch of other work. I have uh, 
like a, a zombie Morkborg hack that I'm putting together and putting out uh, at the at the current moment. Um, post Blister Critter will be back and posting weird stuff on my itch page, oddgodgames.itch.io. Um, I really just want to direct people to the Kickstarter. Only has a couple days left as of recording. Um, so if you go to blistercritters.com, um, you can you know back the project, grab a box set, grab the book, um, get them while they're hot, <laughs> and uh, help us out. If you were interested in anything we kind of blabbed about, uh, love to have you over there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, same. I mean, blistercritters.com takes you to Kickstarter, and it'll after that take you to probably the backer kit store. But um, you know, it's it's gonna uh, only be available at that price uh, now. So in the future, you'll probably be able to find it, but um, but we're gonna have to charge more because it'll go through a distributor, um, not not arbitrarily, but for for good reasons. Um, and uh, you can find everything about Stillfleet at stillfleet.com, and we're everywhere at Stillfleet. So in social media, just put in still fleet you'll find us um and yeah we have other games coming out that we're working on and we're really proud of but they're not done so basically right now you can buy the sci-fi game or you can um buy blister critters and blister critters is super super fun um so go to blistercritters.com well thank you very much both of you for your time it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you there's probably a thousand more questions we could have asked about all sorts of different things for one podcast i know you have one mm-hmm. um I mean, do you want to plug that quickly? Oh, sure. No, just uh, we do a podcast called Why We Roll, which uh, I do with my friend Chris Pickett, um, who's working on a grid system game called Dance Macabre. And they're a really smart um, game designer, writer, illustrator. And we talk. It's like car talk. It's very silly and informal. But um, in the way the car talk is like very specific about cars, it's the same thing with RPGs. We interview designers and just go really nerd out about game design. Fair play. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And yeah, go and back blister critters it should be still up by the time this comes out hopefully unless i fail on editing this (laughs) (laughs) we'll see um yeah good luck to the both of you and uh yes everyone from a pilot cthulhu signing off goodbye boy thank you Get Blister Critters, the new game by Stillfleet, which also is sort of the entity making Why We Roll. Uh, Blister Critters is super fun. It's by Tony Grasso. He's an amazing artist. He did some art for Stillfleet. It uses the same system, the grid system. Uh, But in this case, you are playing as mutant cartoon animals. We're funding now on Kickstarter. Honestly, we really could use your support. Uh, We just want to add more and more cool stuff in the boxed set for the game. You can also get the book on its own. The rules are really simple. There's a free quick start if you're interested. You want to see, I don't know, what do they mean by playing as a mutant cartoon animal? How would that even work? Well, check it out. Uh, Blister Critters. Critters.com. More information there. Thank you. Bye-bye.